Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. Well, welcome back to another episode of Joint Effort. I'm uh, happy to have Pat Sullivan with us here today. He's uh, been with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons for a long time. He's been a stalwart presence here and has really helped put us on the map. He does a lot of uh, joint replacement surgeries, sports surgeries, trauma, you name it. Um, so we're coming to you from our studio here and we're gonna talk today about total joint replacement, but total joint replacement now as an outpatient procedure instead of in the hospital. So let's start with some background, Pat. Um, I know you went to Dartmouth. I did. You played some football there and were an All-American, academic All-American, correct? Yeah, that's a long time ago. What position were you playing back then? Uh, guard and tackle. You played both sides? Uh, no, no, I meant either guard or tackle oh, okay. on offense. So Sorry. it wasn't the... Um, Two man, it wasn't a one platoon thing. No, right, right. I was after that era. Okay, that's... Just what, barely. My dad was in that era. Yeah, right? your dad yeah, was in yeah, that era. Yeah, So um, then after you were at Dartmouth, where did you do your medical and residency type training? I did medical school at the University of Iowa. And then I did uh, orthopedic training at the University of Iowa. And then I did a traveling fellowship in total joints in this country and in Europe. Is uh, orthopedics something you always wanted to do? I really didn't know until I got in medical school. It sort of seemed appealing to me because it, you took care of all ages. You took care of uh, male and female. And there was a diversity of the type of problems. And the other nicest thing about orthopedics, you know, probably agree with me on this, we get the opportunity to take somebody from a horrible position and restore them almost back to normal, which is rewarding. Sure. That's, that's a lot of fun as opposed to managing something and making it a little better and keep doing that. Mm -hmm. You can go from night to day, and which is nice. Mm -hmm. uh, in Europe, what were you studying? Oh, total joints. I, I went to Belgium, and there was a man there already doing a custom total hip. This is back in 87. And he would model the inside of the femur with this plastic polymer. He'd send it out to a truck and they would replicate it in titanium exactly and he'd wait a half hour for that and they'd put it back in. Oh, wow. And I went to, I went to uh, uh, Switzerland and um, Sweden and London and just see how the variety of total joint people were working then. Always with the idea of coming back to the Midwest? Or? Well, actually, I did it with the idea I was already going to come back and join Dr. Dick Johnson, who is one of the original members of the Hip Society. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, so that was already uh, planned. And I, I know you're a man who likes to read a lot of books and learn a lot of things. Uh, was there any, um, you know, training, residency, medical school is very hard on the resident, but also hard on the spouses. I heard you might have wanted to go to law school immediately after uh -huh. residency. Is that right? Well, I said that to my wife. I'm not sure if I was serious or not, but shortly thereafter, she disabused me of the idea, so I apparently wasn't very serious. Right, right. Um, one other thing before we move on um, to talking about outpatient joint replacements yeah. is that I also know you like to work out still. You're in really good shape. You uh, are a pretty disciplined guy, too. And But I heard you have an affinity for Iowa State Fair food. Uh -huh. Is that right? I've, yeah. heard, I've heard some remarkable things about your... Uh, my capacity eating, for eating, eating prowess. Yes. Yeah. Well, usually we go to the Iowa State Fair for about two hours on a afternoon, and uh, how many we, calories can you fit in in two hours there? Well, not as many now, but previously I could eat for the whole two hours and go to every different <laughs> thing. It wasn't a pretty sight, and it wasn't good for you. 
I thank goodness as you get older you can't do that anymore. So you think like 10,000 calories in a day there? Oh yeah, when I was younger I could, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well. I'm not proud of it. No, no. And I survived it, so I'm gonna. Well, at least you admitted it. Well, yeah, there you go, and so I can move on now. Can you guess who told me that? Dirt, yeah, dirt yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. The same person who joins me, he only, he doesn't eat as many calories, my son. Right, right. So what would you say, how many, how big of a deal is, um, Joint replacements. How many joint replacements are there in the U.S. You think in a year? Hip, I think hip, knee, shoulder, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think they're saying about a million now, wow. uh, Baron. And you know the projections are, and these aren't based on real solid information, but just basic uh, uh, suggestive information. They think by 2030 that we're going to go to four million total joints. Wow. Which is hard to believe in 20 years. So have you seen the age of uh, joint replacements, like the people needing them moving to younger and younger population? Is that part of the deal? Absolutely. Yeah. Because the materials got better, the processes got better, um, the results got better. I mean, when I was first doing it, it was all these older people. We'd have them in the hospital for two days ahead of time for the pre-op physical. Right. We'd do the surgery, and we would rehab them in the hospital for two weeks. For two weeks in the hospital. That's unheard of nowadays. Yeah. Just I'm, today, I did two who I sent home, two total joints I sent home today. Okay. So what um, what goals did uh, orthopedic surgeons like you have in mind when you started thinking about you know hey let's try and shorten the stay let's uh, maybe even move it to an outpatient why why do you even start thinking about that? Well, I think that you're always pushed to do something a little bit better, but you want to do it cautiously because so many things that we do new in orthopedics or in, in medicine, you gotta be careful because you can hurt people. And many new things you know as well or better than I do aren't around in five years. So every bright new idea, there, about two of them last out of 10. So you gotta be cautious. The other th move and push was in the last, well, you've recognized it in the last 10, 15 years is cost containment, both on the part of society in general and insurance companies specifically. So a lot of those things motivated and pushed. So is, um, I mean, it makes sense, but that uh, it would cost less to keep, to um, have your care take place over one day compared to three days. Is it a big difference? Well, you and I both know having uh, helped manage the hospital system here, that the cost for an extra day isn't all that much, but in terms of what you save by negotiating for prosthetic prices for supplies and those type of things, which we've done in our management association with the hospital, saves the hospital a great deal of money. And, and now I've had um, quite a good experience with outpatient joint replacements too, and the, the patient experience is different too. Can you describe the patient experience for an outpatient? Meaning, and let's go back to define that. I guess outpatient can be same day surgery where you go home after your hip or knee replacement on the same day. It can be overnight and you go home early the next day too, but as opposed to a traditional hospital stay, what can you say is the patient experience for an outpatient procedure? I think initially you saw it too as you first started doing it because you, you started on a procedure first here, the direct anterior, and I think I did it after you did it shortly thereafter. And you and I both know that that gives you the benefit of a quicker recovery, less discomfort, less bleeding. So that makes you them more of a candidate to go home. I think the biggest thing to overcome that I've seen since the beginning where we kept them two days ahead of time, kept them two weeks afterwards, is every new change is more of an educational process of the patient because they know what to expect. If you're doing a million total joints a year, everybody talks about it. So they know what their neighbor did. 
So when you're switching to something else, there's always a healthy skepticism. I think the first wave of adapters, when you get the first group in there, you had to convince them. And then thereafter, if you get enough of them, people come in and start asking you for it because they heard about their friends and their family mm -hmm. and things like that. But that takes a while, as you know, a year, two, three, until you have enough people out there helping you educate those people. But initially, you're telling them about the advantages. Hey, look, we go home. Nobody, you sleep no better in your own bed. Hospitals aren't a place to get rest, mm -hmm. particularly in today's environment, COVID, uh, infections of COVID or any type of infections, you'll minimize the risk of that going home mm -hmm. rather than being in a hospital environment. And um, So hospitals are you know, all comers. You might have somebody with an infected leg or uh, you know, a, a liver abscess or something in a room down the hallway. Um, you know, they have to be taken care of, but the surgery centers are uh, more elective, clean environment and that's why we think that there will be less infection risk there, correct? Exactly. And, you know, as you know, the surgery centers now, outpatient surgery centers, have all the technical advantages of the hospital. The, uh, the uh, body exhaust systems, they have the, um, the, ultra fit the filtrations of the room, and you have all the antibiotics. You have everything you need in the hospital and all the things you don't need you avoid. In other words, cross-contamination with other patients that obviously have to be taken care of, but yeah. in an environment that's sort of conducive to infections and breeding superbugs. So now is uh, every patient you see a candidate for an outpatient joint replacement, or do some still need to do a traditional hospital stay? Traditional. I suspect you're running into the same thing in your practice. I would say that if you push, I mean, I'm thinking that ultimately when we solve all the other hurdles, which we haven't yet, which are mainly administrative and insurance, I think two-thirds or 75% of what I see in five or 10 years are going to be outpatient. Now, part of it's because they're going to be ideal candidates, and part of it, I believe, as you probably know, because we sat down and talked to insurance companies about costs and stuff, insurance companies are going to be pushing for it because of the cost savings that they can realize. Um, so right now, because only a couple insurance companies are on board, um, I think our system at outpatient is, can handle anybody. I suspect about 40% of what I see can uh, be done outpatient now. You were talking about uh, you know, monetary savings for insurance companies, yeah. but it, I think our goal for sure that we've talked about is also saving for the patient eventually. It would be nice to be able to get some of the savings back, not only to the insurance company, but back to the patient in the form of maybe a reduced copay or something like that for going to outpatient. Because we are saving the insurance company a lot of money, but it would be nice to have the patients realize that savings too. You're exactly right, and we already recognize that with the co-insurance, if you reduce the insurance bill, because co means they're paying part of it, you're reducing the, the patient's bill, and they don't dislike that at all, mm -hmm. of course. Yeah, and I think it I think it costs something like, uh, what, 30% less to do, 35% less to do the case at the surgery center for insurance, I believe. It's been a long time since you and I looked at the tables, but that's my recollection, yeah. too. It's, it's not insignificant. Yeah. Now, it's insignificant to a huge insurance company on one case, but then if you really look at it, and we're really doing a million in this country, we're going to four million, it doesn't become insignificant. It yeah. shortly thereafter is not insignificant. Right. Um, I imagine you have to talk more. You know, in the hospital when we have somebody stay overnight, we have a lot of time to educate them. What do you do for education um, of the patient? Does it require more conversation ahead of time or things like that? Well, you know, as you know, you've taken advantage of this too. We had a joint class 
that we sign our people up to have the nurses who are going to take care of them on the floor explain to them the entire hospital process from beginning to end to get them educated and that's been a great a great advantage now in the covid era they can't hold those so what they've done is convert it to video and i think we'll probably just stay on video if we get that good enough so the patients can access it anytime they want so they don't have to come at five o'clock on right. thursday night that is the plan i've seen the video it is okay. the, the plan is to go to all um, virtual classes for patients which is nice to be able to access it whenever yeah. they want or send it to their their husband or wife when they when they want to and then you talk to them in the office of course and then my staff will talk to them and then they'll call back and talk to my nurse or PA about this question or that question and if they missed it the first or second time so can you um, walk me through maybe what uh, the total joint experiences at our outpatient surgery center for let's say just a hip replacement sure starting like even with your your appointment when you tell the patient they might benefit from this see the patient you obviously maximize conservative measures when those aren't um, useful to the patient anymore and they have appropriate uh, medical lack of medical conditions meaning you could have an outpatient if you have a few medical conditions controlled hypertension controlled adult uh, onset diabetes as long as those are controlled fine you're still a candidate for that uh, and then you tell them uh, what their options are. You can have it in the hospital, you can have it outpatient. What are the advantages and disadvantages if they haven't heard of it? And nowadays, they don't even look to it. They look to you to tell them which was probably the easiest and best. And so the education's gotten easier and easier uh, because they're more accepting of it. And then they'll be called beforehand by the, the supervisor over there, tell them what to expect the day of surgery. If you have a knee, you'll often send it to physical therapy for a session about what you're going to do afterwards and even hip and then we get them fitted with crushes and stuff ahead of time because we don't you come into the outpatient surgery just to have the surgery so then you arrive the day of the surgery we get you ready like any other surgical patient uh, except in COVID's era we're all testing everybody for COVID to make sure no one's contaminated or, or sick and we operate on someone who's sick uh, and then as I said, we have all the technical things we need, the a correct room, the alterfit, the uh, body exhaust system, and the antibiotics and the size of room and all the, all the equipment we need. We perform the same surgery here as we do at the hospital. It goes equally well. It doesn't, there's no delays or any additional time necessary here. I think you've found the same thing, haven't you? Oh yeah. Same amount of time here. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, we'll put them in step down uh, the first post-op period, and they'll be there half hour to an hour till they wake up and are alert. Then they go to the second recovery period, or recovery room, and there we start ambulating them. Make sure they can take fluids. Don't get lightheaded or dizzy. And the total length of time between those two afterwards, I'm finding running in the hour and a half to two hour range. Is that your experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then they go home. The next day, uh, someone from our surgery center will call them, see how they're doing. They'll get a visit by a physical therapist to make sure they're aware of what they should be doing for the rehabilitation. And then I, I do these on Thursday. I see them back at my clinic on Monday to touch base with them, make sure the dressing looks okay, make sure they're doing okay, the pain medicine is working, they don't have any questions or insecurities about what's going on, and it's worked pretty well. Mm -hmm. I found that it's uh, nice that we have uh, one or two people at the surgery center that are contact people that meet with them and so they get a face before surgery they 
meet ahead of time, do a tour of the facility so they know which stages we're going to do and what takes an hour, what takes an hour and a half. Sometimes meet the anesthesiologist, and this is all before surgery, and then that's the same person who calls them to see how they're doing the day after surgery, too. It's a nice uh, kind of concierge way to do that. Um, they get familiar, and they feel taken care of, and they feel uh, connected. How do you think the results have been in the last couple of years of doing this at our surgery center? Well, I think, didn't we just hit two years doing it now, mm -hmm. 24 months? Yep. Didn't we do that last uh, July, two Started years ago? July of two years ago, yeah. yeah. I think the number of cases are growing. Uh, you and Matt and I, I think, were the early adapters. A couple more people followed us, and now there's a, even a third wave following us. I think most people who do total joints are now allowing their patients to do it. And I haven't seen a single problem with it compared to the hospital. You have your challenges. There are patients that have things that need something special, or you may have to change something. Mm -hmm. But no more so than in the hospital. And I haven't, I haven't, right now, as you mentioned before, stepped onions. We don't have one right now. Haven't found a, a problem for any of the patients we've chosen to do. Going home hasn't been a problem. Um. Yeah, I found the same thing, that it's been very successful, high patient satisfaction rate, um, you know, no more complications than you'd expect. In fact, very few complications, if any, that I've heard of. Um, regarding um, kind of hospital management and, and such, Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons and you especially and Dr. Taylor with you have been involved a lot in like um, developing the West Hospital, uh, Methodist West Hospital, developing a lot of partnerships with the hospital. How do you see a doctor or a surgeon involved in surgery centers, involved in the hospital management? What kind of special insights and things can a hospital that has a surgeon on board expect compared to a hospital that's not employing a surgeon for a consultant or for helping run the place? Yeah, I think there's huge advantages, both overt and hidden advantages. A surgeon sh should know everything about the surgery and know of the things they do in the surgery, what are the necessary steps? What are the necessary supplies? What of a given supply of the three varieties, which are acceptable and which are totally not acceptable? And they have a relationship with sometimes the reps, so they going back and talking to the reps and suggesting, hey, you know, we really like yours, but there's two other that's just as well for the patient. In order to help the hospital out, we need you to consider um, some um, pricing changes. Enormous amount of help. The hospital can't do that. We've seen that and proven that they can't do it nearly as well. I mean, you remember Taylor uh, got huge concessions for uh, saving the patient, the hospital costs so they can continue to offer the surgery to patients because they can't afford to keep doing things and losing money on things. So you kind of alluded to um uh, kind of what things look like in the future as far as expanding volumes. We talked about yeah. how anywhere from 40 to 60 percent, maybe, or 70 percent of people in the future could be an outpatient um, and recover in their comfort of their own home. What do you envision for Des Moines orthopedic surgeons and their outpatient centers in five years from now um, as far as what's it going to look like for patients in five years? I think that uh, as we grow, and I think this will grow both to continue to serve the patient because we've proven that they can be done as effectively, done as uh, make with the same patient satisfaction and minimal amount of complications just like the hospital, that's going to grow because it's proven to be effective. 
Number two, it's a lower cost environment and both the patients and the hospitals and the doctors and the insurance companies are going to demand it. Particularly if, if the forecast is true, about four million people, the only way you can possibly afford to do that is continue to control the cost, which I think we've done better than a lot of people. Um, I, because I think that uh, in five years, we'll have to grow the place, make, a, we have two rooms capable of doing total joints now, probably have to expand to have three or four and I don't think it's inconceivable as you said the numbers of 60 70 percent it's not inconceivable that ultimately we'll be doing 1500 total joints at that center mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. five years might be a stretch but give it three to eight years I think wow. that's truly yeah. possible I what, what are your thoughts yeah I think that um, it's a it, it would have been great if this would have been enacted if we were two years ahead of the curve because with COVID right now, oh, yeah. you saw what happened this spring is that things got shut down at the hospital. You have sick people with or without COVID at the hospital. We were totally shut down. People who were miserable with their hips and knees couldn't even have surgery. Um, if we would have had maximum capacity at the surgery center, um, that would have been a, a safer environment to do these elective or semi-elective uh, joint replacements there. I think we have to um, get all of our insurers on board. Yes. Um, have them realize that they're going to make a savings, and and also em employers who have insurance contracts. Th that's where they're going to see a huge benefit is is saving on this with for their workers. Uh, we need to have some kind of way where the workers and the and the um, patients get a financial benefit too. Like you said, a co-insurance uh, break there. And then we're going to have to ramp up our volume too, so that we can handle this influx of, of patients, which we're ready for it. You know, we've got 30 surgeons here. Where I think if anyone's going to do it, we're going to do it. So I'm excited for the future there. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights. You've uh, you've seen a lot of different changes in the healthcare system. You've been a part of it. You've been a big part of uh, shaping what's happened in Des Moines and orthopedics and in Iowa. So thank you very much for coming on. Well, it was a lot of fun to do it. I hope that it's, uh, you and I understand all of this. I hope in, in the process we can relay some information to patients who are either thinking about it, know nothing about it, and this is the first introduction to it. But this is the way to do it. As I said, the biggest thing as you make transitions is the education of the mm -hmm. patient. And if this is one more avenue, fantastic. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you. appreciate it.